Uh, last week we began a, 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 on First Peter, a 2,000-year-old a letter that is full of words breathed by God. And, and listen, if your hope is running on empty, if you think your story is finished, Peter has a word for you about living hope, about a, about a sure anchor in troubled times. And you know what? It's true. You know, sometimes it, it, it takes the darkest hour for us to see clearly, for us to realize where our hope is truly found. Now, last Sunday, we, we just kind of introduced the, the letter of 1 Peter uh, by looking at the from, the to, and, and the about. Uh, the, the, these words we'll be studying for the next several weeks are, are from Peter. And, and remember, from, from matters. You see, from often determines how you and I both receive and respond to a letter. This letter's from Peter. Uh, you know Peter. You know, the fisherman who, who left everything, his nets and everything by the Sea of Galilee in order to, to follow Jesus from matters. You know Peter, uh, the guy who lived with God for three years? He, he lived with God for three years as God wore flesh. Peter, the, the guy who had a front row ringside seat to all the amazing things that Jesus did? I mean, Peter saw with his own eyes Jesus heal lame limbs. He saw with his own eyes Jesus opening the eyes of the blind, casting out the demon. He saw with his own eyes Jesus multiplying food, turning uh, water into wine, and raising people up from the dead. This letter's from Peter, a, a guy who had some incredible and thrilling victories. Yeah, Lord, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, Peter, the guy who swung his legs over the boat in the middle of a storm and actually walked on water. Peter, the guy who stood in the temple the day of Pentecost and preached to thousands about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This letter is from Peter. Uh, Peter, the guy who also had some pretty crushing defeats and setbacks, who after Jesus talked about the cross, took Jesus aside, and Scripture says he rebuked Jesus. No more talking about the cross, Jesus. Peter, uh, the guy who took his eyes off Jesus and sunk into the crashing waves. Peter, the guy who had that ultimate failure, warming his hands in the fire and saying with a curse, I never knew the man. Now understand, that's the guy. That's the guy who penned the words that we'll be studying for the next several weeks from matters. And listen, I am convinced that a man who knew Jesus so well who knew the church so well, and who loved both so much that he gave his life for them. I'm convinced that this guy who had, uh, who had a relationship with Jesus, a knowledge about Jesus, and access to Jesus that is unequaled in human history, I am convinced that Peter has something to say to me, and to say to you, and to you, and to you in the coming weeks. Anybody else there, out there convinced? Anybody convinced? Amen? Convinced? Awesome. From matters, this letter from Peter to, to, a, to a bunch of Jesus followers scattered in an area that is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, from Peter to Christians who had suffered and lost much because of persecution. Uh, this letter is from Peter uh, uh, to people just like you and I, people who were, were trying to hold on to hope in a very difficult and challenging time. This letter is from Peter. To first century believers in us, and it's, this letter is about God. It's about God the Father who chose us even though he knew us. 
It's about God the Son who died for us. It's about God the Spirit who lives in us. And it is about how God in his great mercy has given us a new birth, giving us a second chance, giving us a do-over, giving us a clean slate again and again and again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's how the New Living Translation words, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, they, they kind of they pull the word hope out and kind of define it for us. And here's, here's, here's what they write. I'll praise the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with what? Great expectation. If you're taking notes, circle that. Now we live with great expectation. Well, what does it mean to have a living hope? It, it means to live with great expectation. And, and the truth is that for some in this room, to live with great expectation would be a radically different way for you to live. Because more often than not, we, we, we live with negative or low expectations. That good stuff will never happen, at least not for me. Yeah, it's kind of bad now, and it's probably going to get even worse. Uh, Maple Grove this morning, I, I, I want to talk to you and to me about a better way to live. About living with a great expectation made possible because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And we're going to pray, and I encourage you to pray with palms open, symbolic, you're ready to receive from God. It's kind of a da dangerous way to pray. Father God, we love you, and you are faithful. You're good. You're awesome. You're mighty. You're a promise maker. You're a promise keeper. You finish what you began. You go before us. You stand behind. You're on our team. You're in our corner. And God, all of us in this room, we're at different places in our journey, facing different things. Some are feeling pretty beat up. Some are discouraged. Some are losing hope. Some are ready to throw in the towel. Some are losing sight of you and the ways and winds of their circumstances. And God, I pray this morning you would just speak to your people, speak to me about how we can live with a great expectation. Lord, help me to say what you want me to say, that you want me to say it. Help me not to get in the way. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Amen. Okay, as... As people God the Father chose, as people God the Son died for, as people the Spirit of God lives in, as people who have been given a new birth into a living hope, what can we expect? Number one, we can expect an inheritance. Peter writes, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that, he has given, that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade away, kept in heaven for you. We can expect what? We can expect an inheritance. We can expect what? An Okay, that's like a 2.5 on a scale of 100, all right? <laughs> we can expect an That's good. We can. Imagine this coming week, you go out to your mailbox, you open it up, and you see a letter in there from a law firm in California. 
and you open it up kind of carefully, hoping you're not getting sued. And the letter informs you that, unknown to you, you're the only surviving relative of a multimillionaire. His estate is valued at $250 million. And they tell you it may take a, a, a few months to a year to process everything, but they say by this time next year, by May of 2015, your bank account will have a two and a five and seven zeros after it balance. If you got that letter, what would your reaction be? Now, now I'd be the first to tell you that I don't have any rhythm. No, my wife would be the first to tell you, right? No rhythm at all. But I can guarantee you that I would do some kind of dance, right? I, I, would, do, I would do the two and five and seven zero dance. If I could dance, I should have took dancing lessons. Because I, I, I do cartwheels. I'd be break dancing in my head right now, right? If I could do it. I would do some kind of dance. Are you kidding me? A two and five and seven zeros dance is incredible. And you know, you know what else? If any time during those months of waiting, I began to feel discouraged, I pulled that sucker out again and remind myself what was coming within the year. And I was getting closer every day, and I would put on my dancing shoes and dance again. Maple Grove, uh, 2,000 year years ago, a bunch of Jesus followers whose hopes were fading went out to their mailbox, and they pulled out a letter. And this letter was not from a law firm in California. It was from God, written by Peter. And when they opened it up, they told them that they have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for them. I, I understand, if you are a Jesus follower, I'm not making it up. God says to you, he says to Serene, he says to Judy, he says to Joe, he says, there is inheritance in heaven that, that can never perish, never spoil, never fade, and it has your name on it. There is inheritance in heaven that can never perish, spoil, or fade away, and it has your name on it. Not making it up. Have you noticed how, how things in and life that we love and many times give our lives to all seem to eventually break down, wear out, and fall apart. And isn't that what Jesus was trying to give us a heads up about in the Sermon on the Mount? Right? Uh, about where we store our treasures. Jesus put it this way, right? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But Store up for yourselves, because there's a bank account with your name on it. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where treasure is, there's your heart. And Jesus wants us to store up treasures in heaven. He says, like, why waste your time investing in something that's going to be burnt up and gone when you can invest in something that'll, like, be here forever? And that's why when I pray for the offering, I've been praying this way for probably a year. I pray that we'll be a church, the most generous church on the face of the planet. Full of men and women and students who are consumed with storing up treasures in heaven, not here. You know, that we'll be so generous. How can I leverage my resources? How can I leverage that extra bedroom in my house for maybe to move us up from number 49 to 
48 to 47 for that orphan who won't have a mom or dad when he ages out of the foster care system. I understand moth and dust and rust and thieves and a down market. Rust and moth and, du- and rust and thieves cannot, and a down market. Rust and thieves and moths and a down market cannot touch our treasure in heaven. If you are a Jesus follower, one day you will live in heaven. Understand, heaven is for real. It's not just a book. It's not just a movie. It is reality. It's a fact. One day the sky will crack open. One day the new Jerusalem will come down from the sky. One day you will be at home with the Lord. One day you will get a new body. One day you will be reunited with all your loved ones who are already there waiting for you. One day you will walk on streets of gold and one day you will stand with a multitude of people that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language before the throne and in front of the Lamb. You have inheritance in heaven. One day you will live in a world where there will be no more tears, no death, no sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. You live in a world where there's no more guilt, no more shame, no more sin, no more cancer, no more funerals, no more death, no more dying, no more disease. No more divorce, no more separations, no more affairs, no more pornography, no more murders, no more thefts, no more gossip, no more broken hearts, no more broken dreams, no more broken homes. And and one day you will see face to face, I'm not making it up, the one that you have sung to and worshipped and served all these years. What what can we, we expect as people that God the Father chose, God the Son died for, and God the Spirit lives in? We can expect an inheritance that cannot be destroyed and that never, never fades. I I started thinking about that that, that never fade phrase, and and here's what what I think it means. You know how when you get a new toy, and adults get new toys too, but they just cost more, right, (laughs) and then kids' toys, And, and... but you know how after a while the thrill kind of wears off? I mean, you're like, oh, excited about that new car, but yeah, not so much anymore because you got to wash it. Uh, you're, you're out of your mind about the new job, but now it's not so exciting. You know, you know it, it, the thrill, it just kind of fades, right? It, it, can't, it, it just kind of fades. But see, here's the deal. Every day that we wake up in heaven, we're going to want to get up and do the two and five with seven zeros after a dance. And we're going to say, this is amazing. This is incredible. I can't believe, every day it gets better. Every day it gets more awesomer. It does. And here's the deal. See, remembering, and Peter's writing these people, he knows what they're going through. He says, remembering with great expectation, guys, your inheritance will radically change your perspective in challenging times. And it will infuse your life with living hope. It will. That's God's intention. Here's what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3. He said this. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the right hand in the place of honor and power. And I love this part. I love this. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on the earth, for you died when Christ died. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your real life, 
is revealed to the world, you will share in all his glory. Are you kidding me? If you're taking notes, I, I put that phrase in there. It's awesome. Let heaven fill your thoughts. You see, Jesus has not called us as his people to be a whatever attitude people, whatever. He's called us to be a, a whenever kind of people. Like Whenever we're down, whenever we're discouraged, whenever life beats us up, whenever life slaps us, whenever bad things happen, whenever we start losing our hope, whenever that happens, we, whenever this life gets us down, whenever that happens, we think about the next one. We think about our inheritance. Let heaven fill your thoughts. I tried doing this on Thursday. It's kind of hard to do because a lot of junk wants to fill your thoughts, doesn't it? But from this Thursday, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., I said, okay, I, I want to think about heaven as much as I can in the next hour. And I want to think about how, I want to think about the no mores. How all these, not s'mores, right? Yeah. No more, no s'mores, yeah. no mores. How, like, all the stuff that gets me down, everything that discourages me, all the things that defeat me, right, all the things that are up against me are going to be gone. And how one day I'll live in a perfect world. And so for that whole hour, I try to think about that. No, yeah, it's not going to be anymore. No worry. No bill. No, I, I started for an hour. I did the best I could to let heaven fill my thoughts. And then from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., I started thinking about all the people that I love that are already there waiting for me. How we're going to like really celebrate. And how one day I'll get to look at Jesus. I'll get to see him face to face. I'll get to see him and walk with him and be with him. And I, I did that for an hour. I kept telling myself, you know, you know. I'm going home, I'm going home, I'm going home, I'm going home. Mark Buchanan just wrote something awesome. I put in your notes. He wrote a book about heaven. He said this, this is so awesome. Like the tug of a huge unseen planet hovering near, the hope of heaven is meant to exert gravitational pull that gives our life stability, substance, and weight. Ironically, it alone has the power to give us in a sustained way the moral and spiritual balance needed to keep our feet on earth, to make us of much earthly good. It, I, I love it. It is a rumor of home in a place of exile. We're in exile. It's a rumor of home in a place of exile inspiring us to keep up the good work. Living a life with expectation, we can expect an inheritance. And Peter goes on to say, we can expect God's power to protect us. He says this in verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. Who through faith are, in your note, circle, shielded by God's power. And that word shield, it's a, it's a military term that means to guard, to, to protect, to, to keep a close watch over. And it's in the present tense. So, so, what, so what Peter is saying is that we are constantly at all times being shielded and protected by God's power. By whose power? By whose power? By whose power? And, and listen, when it comes to God's power, here's what I know. When it comes to God's power, here's what I know. We, that would be you, that would be me. When it comes to God's power, here's what I know. We do not fully appreciate and we constantly and grossly underestimate the power of God. I understand, our God does not just have some power, our God has all power. Our God has absolute power. 
You know, recently in our faith comes from hearing that little scripture thing we're passing out and um, hope you're doing it. We got sheets at the visitor center and the table. God's word is living, active, it changes us. And we're reading Genesis chapter 1 just last week and, uh, and, and reading about creation. About how in the beginning God created everything. How God just said, God just spoke and it was, things appeared and stuff happened. God just spoke and it was, things appeared and, and stuff happened. And, and, and listen, that everything is meant to say something about our God. The psalmist puts it this way. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies announce what his hands have made. Day after day they tell their story. Night after night they tell it again. They have no speech or words. They have no voice to be heard. But their message goes out through all the world. Their words go everywhere on the earth. We grossly and constantly underestimate the greatness and power of our God. We're like floating on this huge ball in space right now. That is insane. Like I said before, our God is not just big, our God is crazy big. Check out, it's okay to be excited about that. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, he didn't even lift a finger. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by what? The breath of his mouth. <clears throat> our God breathes out stars. That's how powerful our God is. And understand, stars are huge. Absolutely. I, I want us to even get a grasp. And there's millions and millions and billions of them. Uh, anybody see the dot on this paper? Okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a dot right there. And, and I, I want to get a size idea of just one star. Okay. Uh, that dot's the earth. All right. See if you can, anybody see Virginia in there? Okay, there's Charlottesville, and there's your home. I think I see there, your car. Oh, you need to cut your grass. Wow, okay. Um, I know a guy can, has a good service here. Okay, okay, okay. If, if the earth is a dot, right, this would be the sun. The sun would be this big, the size of this basketball. Okay, one million earths fit into the sun, right? I mean, the sun is big. It's 93 million miles away, and, and yet, we, yet we feel its warmth every day. Okay, but there's this one star. Yeah, and here's, uh, I put the earth upside down. <laughs> Sorry, earth. Did you all feel that? Wow. <laughs> kind of like Courtney Hills of Hugh, right? Here's a who, rather. Um, and, and there's one star called Betelgeuse. Yeah, it is. That's how you pronounce it. It really is. And it's, it's 310 million miles in diameter. That's so big that if it was hollow, the sun could revolve around I mean, the earth could revolve around the sun inside that star with twice as much room left over, okay? And, and now, if we go back to, you know, we have my dot, right? There's earth. Here's the sun, okay? How, how big Betelgeuse is, its diameter would be, if, if you took the Empire State Building, took another Empire State Building, which is they're about 14,000 feet to the top, and you take one, Take a second, take a third, take a fourth, get up to 5,812 feet. That's how big that star is. Okay, we got our dot, we got this basketball, and we got that. And our God, he could probably toss it like that. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. Are you kidding me? Now, would you agree? That we grossly underestimate the power of, of our God that creates such things? The psalmist says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise is greatness no one can fathom. 
You are shielded as a believer by God's power. Do you think that was encouraging news to those Christians who were living under the thumb and the authority and the power and the persecution of Rome? On their own, they're no match for the Roman Empire for Nero, but with God, Nero and Rome were no match for them. I mean, who is still standing? There's absolutely no limit to the power of our God, and that power is protecting and shielding every believer in this room, even as we speak. Now, before we move on, i got to make something clear. that There's kind of a, a catch, if you will, to God's power protecting us. Notice Peter said this. He said, who through faith are shielded by God's power. In other words, you know, the, the greater our faith, the more we allow God's power to shield and protect us. Conversely, the weaker our faith, the less God's power can shield and protect us. Proverbs 2 puts it this way. We actually read it this week, and faith comes from hearing. I, I didn't even know it was there. It says this. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He, this God who breathes stars, this star-breathing God, he guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. That's pretty comforting, isn't it? To know that the one who holds the universe Is the one who goes before us, the one who goes behind us, to know that the God of angel armies is on our side, to know that nothing formed against us shall stand. You know, I got to thinking this week when I was working on this message, God gave me this little statement in my head um, that ultimately nothing can hurt us because nothing can hurt us ultimately. Does that make sense? See, ultimately nothing can hurt us. Because nothing can hurt us ultimately. Guess what? I'm a Jesus follower. I'm spending forever in heaven. I'm spending forever in a world with none of that junk anymore. I'm spending eternity looking at God and being with all these people. Nothing can stop that. Yeah, you can hurt me. You can beat me. Life can smack me around a little bit. It may send me there a little bit sooner. But nothing can hurt me ultimately because I am shielded by God's power. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. And it's just not a song. You know why that song is so awesome to sing? Because it's true. The God of angel armies, he's my friend, he's my dad. You want to be my dad? My dad breathes stars and crushes serpents. Amen. We also can expect troubles to strengthen our faith. Peter writes to these persecuted believers having a hard time. Maybe that's where you are this morning. He says, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Remember, Jesus told us in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you will have a picnic. No, he didn't, right? He said, <laughs> he said in this world, you will have trouble. And he wasn't lying, was he? Are you going through a trial, a hard time, a challenging time right now? Are you? Is life slapping you, kicking you? I mean, every time you, you, you go three steps forward, you go seven steps back, Understand, whatever it is, whatever it is, it can serve a purpose. In fact, that's exactly what God intends for it to do. Whatever you're going through, here's what he, Scripture says. These have come 
so that your faith of greater worth than gold, that's pretty worthy stuff, which perishes though even refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. I understand, God never intends for you and I to waste a hurt, to waste a hard time, to waste a difficult, you're in one right now. And God said, please don't waste it. Jesus' half-brother put it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you will be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. In other words, you're going through a hard time. At least one person, right? <laughs> you, God wants you to know this morning, you don't just have to go through it, G-O. You can what? You can grow through it. You can grow through it. As most of you know, almost 18 years ago, on July 28, 1996, my, my first wife died of cancer. And I wrote the following in my journal about three weeks later on August 16, 1996. Here's what I wrote. Uh, Dad, it's a little after 6 a.m. I've been up an hour and I've spent at least a half hour on the porch talking with you and reflecting on my past, present, and future life. I'm already tired of being alone. I often go through what transpired wondering what could have been done differently only to realize that the entire situation was in your hands. From what I prayed on that Thursday, July 25th, and, and, and what I prayed on that Thursday, you know, I, I said, God, you know what? Here's what I want you to do. I have Two requests, you got to take one of them. My top request is, I want you to heal her miraculously. I, I want you to sew up her gut that's tore up. I, I want the cancer gone, and I want her up jumping and dancing around by the end of this week. If not, I want you to take her home this Sunday. And he took her home on Sunday, and I continued my journal. It's apparent since she took her home on Sunday that Judy was never going to be healed in this life and only had more suffering to go through. Thank you for ending her suffering and taking her home to be with you. Lord, help me to consider all of this pure joy. Help this to make, not break my faith. Help me to focus on your kingdom and trust you fully to take care of me and all my needs. Thank you, Lord, and God, please be with us. We need you. And listen, though I did not do everything, right as I journeyed through this dark valley I did enough right that God was able to do some purifying of my faith and let me tell you he uh, he's got a lot more work to do if you know me you know I'm not lying to you but here's what I do know here's what I do know I, you know what I, I'm not who I once was right he's got more work to do but you know what? I'm not that guy back here and you're not that person you once were get off your case a little bit all right because God's not on it. You're not who you were, right? You're making progress. And it's crazy as it seems. You know, I would not have given the opportunity to say, God, I don't want to go through that again. I wouldn't. I'd want, I, want, I would want to go through it again, but I wouldn't want her to suffer. You know? But me, I'd want to go through it again. And you know what? There's people in this room who could stand up here and say the exact same thing. You guys made it through that dark valley, that difficult time, and God showed up. And God did a work in you. And you're saying, no, you know what? I'm kind of, I'm glad it happened. B because God took the test of my faith and he, he developed, a, developed 
perseverance, and I became mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Peter writes to these people being beat up, like some of you feel beat up. For a little while. It's not going to last forever. That's, I added that. That's not in Scripture. For a little while. You may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Physical, relational, vocational, em- emotional, spiritual, financial. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Ooh, What can we expect as people God the Father chose, God the Son died for, God the Spirit lives in, people have been born again into a living hope? We can expect an inheritance. Oh, it's a good one. We can expect God's power, the star breathing God's power to protect us, and we can expect our troubles to strengthen our faith, and we can expect the salvation of our souls. He writes this, though you have not seen him, Peter's like, I I saw them. I got to touch them. We ate meals together. We hung out together. We fished together. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And are filled with what? And these guys are, he's writing to people suffering. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? For you are receiving the end result of your salvation. The end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Notice Peter says you are receiving. Present tense. We do not have to wait. I do not have to wait until I get to heaven to be saved. I am saved right now. Eternal life has already begun. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, Scripture says, what? He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. We talked about on Easter, has, because Jesus died and rose from the dead and sent his spirit, he unleashed the newness of life now. The verse we read in Colossians said what? Paul says, since you have been raised to new life, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your eyes on things above. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, now salvation is one of those churchy words, and here's a definition I came up this week that kind of helps me. Here's what salvation is. Salvation is everything that that God has done, is doing, and will do for us in Christ. Salvation is everything that God has done, is doing in me, and will one day do for me in Christ Jesus. Has done, is doing, and will do one day. Question. How does knowing that you're receiving the salvation of your souls make you feel? I mean, does it fill you with an inexpressible and glorious woohoo joy? Does it make you want to do the, the hitch that right, the angle, right? Yeah. Make you want to do the, the two and five with seven zeros dance? Can I be honest for a minute? In regards to my salvation, I, I don't, I do not dance enough. When it comes to the fact that I am receiving the salvation of my soul's soul, when it comes to the reality that in God, God's great mercy, He has saved, is saving, and will save me, it does not move me like it should. And you know what? I think most of us in this room don't dance enough either. That's why I put a question in your notes. 
Do you dance enough in regards to your salvation? You see, here's what I think has happened. I think in regards to our salvation with us, familiarity has bred contempt. And not that we have contempt for salvation and what God has done, but that it just doesn't excite us that much. I mean, not as much as going on vacation, not as much as getting that promotion, not as much as business success, not, not, not as much as getting into that college, not, not as much as your team winning the championship, not as much as closing on that house, not as much as a free coupon for Ben and Jerry's. And here's the crazy thing. When Peter wrote this letter, he looked at his believers and said, you know, I don't think you all dancing enough. He says, I, I don't think you appreciate your salvation enough. That's why he wrote these very next verses. Concerning this salvation, what Jesus, what has been done, what is being done, and what will be done for you in Christ, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing. Jesus was guiding their pen when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Now that's crazy. Even angels? I mean, for, for a minute, try to picture some of the stuff angels get to see. I mean, they have channels on their cable that we don't even have, right? They have angel tube. We, we, we can't get angel tube here, right? Angel book, right? And, and I mean, they've seen things like creation, the beginning of time. They see God the Father, God the Spirit, and they actually live in the place that John is writing about in Revelation. Yet, you know what they're doing around? Man, I sure wish I could see and experience what Sonia gets to see, what Phil gets to see. I, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be a part of that. I wish I would know what it's like to be saved, to have Christ do a work in me. I, I wish I would know what it's like to experience grace. And now the angels are fired up, but so are the prophets. Guys like Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they wrote about this grace, right? They're writing about it. They're going, I'm writing about the Messiah. I'm writing about his sufferings and his glory and his kingdom, but I don't quite get it. What does it mean? What is it like? And they wanted to understand, but they didn't. They couldn't. And, and you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, it's like, man, I, I, I'd sure like to be Mo It'd be so cool to be Moses. I, I wish I was Moses. I, was, I wish I was David. I, I wish I was Daniel in that lion's dead walking out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What do you got to say now, Nebi, right? Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> Guess what? You know what they're saying? You know what, you know what David's saying? You know what Esther's saying? Hey, I, I, wish I, I wish I was Debbie. I wish I could be Mark. I wish I could be Jack, be Ben, be Dan. They want to be us. They, they, they want to experience what we're experiencing. They wrote about it, but they didn't. You see, there's a difference in experiencing something and just hearing about it, right? Let me show a picture. I love that. That's the PCH, Pacific Coast Highway. I heard about it for years, and I got an awesome wife. She could care less about that, but she cares about me a lot. And she scheduled a trip for me, and I, I was on a convertible driving up the PCH. Hood down, listening to Switchfoot, woo, 
dare you to move, baby. Yeah. It's incredible. And I'm like, every, I'm going, no, oh, oh. I'm stopping the side of the road. I'm just going crazy, literally. Are you kidding me? I heard about it, but are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. And I said earlier, you know, that, that we kind of underestimate the power of God. We underestimate our salvation. We grossly underestimate what God has done for us. And that's why 538 this morning is I'm working on my message. God said, hey, we got to take a slight detour here because we got to talk a little bit more about the salvation. And what we're going to do next week is we're going we're gonna to invite uh, Jeremiah and Daniel. and you know, We're all going to rent convertibles, metaphorically, right? You know, put the tops down, put Switchfoot or your favorite. You know, no country allowed, just kidding. <laughs> you know, but, but we're going we're gonna to say, we're going to take them on a ride up the AGH, the Amazing Grace Highway. And, and we're going to say, hey, guys, you wrote about it. Let's pull off and take a look at what it's like. And they're like, they're going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's even better than I thought. And we're going to see what it's about. And, and I know it's Mother's Day, but, you know, and this morning I was thinking, there's nothing that moms want more. Any moms in this room? Raise your hand, all you moms. You're, you're, is there anything you want more than your kids? The salvation of your kids? So anything you want more than that? Nothing you want more than that. <laughs> nothing. Nothing you want more than that. You know, and, and so we're going to talk about it. And next Sunday, we're, we're going to honor our moms. We're going to have a baby dedication. And, and then we're going to spend some time going up the AGH. You know, bring plenty of sunscreen, all right? You know, it's, bring your cameras. We're going to take pictures of this thing. And, and, and moms are awesome. You know, and, and I guarantee every mom in this room is praying for the kids. And, and God also told me, hey, Steve, Mother's Day usually has a higher attendance. And Mother's Day, this baby dedication thing is going to bring people in. And you know what they need to hear about? They need to hear about me. You know, they need to hear about the salvation that's in God. And, you know, this is my first Mother's Day. My mom's already, she's chilling with God already. And, and, and she prayed for me through my teenage years. And, you know, what better way to honor moms than to talk about the salvation of our souls that we want our kids to have. So it's going to be a blast next week. And, and uh, throw that last scripture on the screen if you would. Would you stand and say that with me? On three, together. I'll give you all the keys, right? One, two, three. All praise to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Now we live with great what? Expectation. What can we expect as people that God the Father chose, God the Son died for, God the Spirit lives in? What can we expect as people born again into a living hope? We can expect an inheritance. We can expect that the power of the star-breathing God is protecting and shielding us. We can expect that no matter what you're going through, and some of you are going through a difficult time, and, and I'm not trying to be some crazy preacher guy up here, but I believe God brought you here to tell you, you don't just have to go through it. You can grow through it. And God said, I want to take that thing that's terrible and you hate right now and that's taking all the joy of your life, and I want to use it to purify your faith. And we could expect to receive the salvation of our souls. We're going to sing a song, and I just want you guys to know if you, you have any questions about your walk with God and, and what it means to surrender to him. You know, every week we're up here to talk about. And maybe you believe in God, and, 
you've yet to surrender your life and, and have not yet been baptized into his name. You know, it, it, it's right behind there. I know it's kind of hidden, you know. Uh, we can raise that screen. You can talk to me afterwards, you know, about what it means to surrender to Christ. Um, you want to talk about anything. Our elders are up here to pray with you. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. This, is, this song is, like, really awesome. I do that Pandora thing on my phone, and, and songs pop in. I go, oh, I forgot about this one. It's a good one. God, we love you. And God, thank you for infusing our life with your hope. Thank you, God, that we don't have to live a pessimistic life, God, that we can live with great expectation because there is an inheritance, God. And your power is protecting us, God. And I lift up every person in this room who life is just smacking and smacking and smacking and smacking, that they'll know that you're in this thing and that you can use it, God. And it's only going to last a little while. And God, thank you for the work that you are doing in us, that you've already done, that you, that, that you will do in us. And thank you, God, that one day we're going to see you face to face. God, we love you. We worship you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.